This is an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, ancient prophecies come true in Fab Facts. We're in need of some help from on high in the randomizer. And Ellie Collins is our first guest on the sofa. That's all coming up in pod 264 of the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James, and Chris Dale. It's the Jerry Anderson podcast. It, it is, believe it or not. Yes, it's sort of regenerated, isn't it? Well, I quite like it. Yes, I thought you might. It's very pleasant being in the room with you for a change, rather than only hearing your voice. Now I get to uh, yes, you get to see me in person. Look at you as well. It's yes. quite a sight, isn't it? Uh, now you, yes, the person who is quite a sight. Mm. You're Richard James. That's true. I am Richard James, and you must be Jamie Anderson. It is true, but also mm. I noticed in the opening titles. Someone else got a mention for the first time in yes. 264 pods. Yes. It's Chris Dale. There he is. Uh, hi, guys. Hi there, Chris. Hi, Chris. Welcome to our, well, I like to call it Secret Hideaway. It's not that secret because we've been tweeting about it relentlessly. Yes, we are at the Moxie Hotel in Slough, uh, which is uh, our favourite place to be. It's a Thunderbirds themed hotel. It's really worth a visit if you happen to find yourself in Slough. Of an evening. Yeah, or need to stay here. So yes. we should say thank you very much to Chris Thomas and all the staff at Moxie Residence Inn yeah. uh, for having us and allowing us to record here. Now, can we probably put Podstrons off oh. turning up to <laughs> yeah. see us? Yes, that, mm, yes. Well, there's not much room in here, is there, to be honest? Yes. Not with my ego. We, <laughs> we call it a studio, uh, but it is really a small room. Yeah, but yeah, the studio sounds better, doesn't it? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a small studio, so no, please, please don't turn up at random, although we'd love to see you. It's yeah. probably best that you, you don't now, do that. Now, our lovely listeners have been uh, offering some ideas of what we're going to call this new process, because we're videoing our podcast for yeah. the first time. Uh, so we've had some suggestions, for example, uh, Slough Vision, presented mm -hmm. in Slough Vision, yeah. Moxie Vision, Moxification. But I um, mm. I have my own suggestion, which is a bit Captain Scarlet-esque. Go on. Retro-pod-abolism. Ooh. <laughs> no? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's retro. We're a pod. And <laughs> abolism. <laughs> and you just tried to make it fit. Yeah. Yeah, well, that. you've done very well. Thanks. So let's let's maybe call it that for now. Okay. Until we come up with something better. Oh, I like it. That's uh, a win for me. Now, despite the small change, mm. the fact that we're in the room together and people can watch it if they wish, mm. they don't have to, mm -hmm. uh, what is coming up? Are things changing? Is it all different these days? Well, you'll be relieved to hear that after 263 pods, yes, things are staying exactly the same. Ah, stale, just how we like them. <laughs> so yes, we've got all the usual gubbins coming up, Jamie. You'll be very pleased to hear. Okay, what does that include? Can you well, take us on a tour? No, don't worry, I'm not going to make you do it in a particular no, style just now. Not till we've settled in for our new format, thank you. Um, now, well, the thing is, I didn't get much sleep tonight because I was uh, you know, very excited about our first filming block today. Mm. Uh, but I do get a chance to catch up on my sleep 
when we come to Fab Facts, <laughs> my favourite part of the podcast, of course. Brilliant. Uh, so that'll be coming up a little bit uh, shortly. We've also got a sort of a new format for the news because, um, you know, uh, we'll be dropping in on newsreader Jamie Anderson. Yes, not a, me, no, the other Jamie Anderson. Yes, at another secret location. Uh, for our newsy news 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 we've got the first part of an interview with uh, well you may know her as TARDIS monkey on her many I social do. media channels yes that's Ellie Collins cosplayer and self-confessed sci-fi nerd she'll be dropping in well she's our first guest on I'm gonna say it Jeff Tracy's sofa is it Jeff Tracy's sofa though <laughs> does Jeff Tracy have a sofa yes okay well it's Jeff got one Tracy's that sofa descends down and then runs off to Thunderbird 3 okay so. well that's the mark of uh, or not of how good the interview's gonna go <laughs> if we don't like you know some of the answers she's giving I'll press the button and we'll move on to the next guest Thunderbird 3's launch bay is our room 101 equivalent yeah now we're also very excited as you mentioned Chris Dale is in the room with us and that means hey, that he'll be bringing us the randomizer in the same room as you and I, mm. uh, with the actual randomizer. Well, this is another thing I should say. If you are only listening to this and you haven't sampled the video version, then mm. watching it will give you a chance to see not only the randomizer, but also the famous book of Fab Facts. <gasps> yeah, you're so, so famous. The, the book of Fab Facts. Yeah, the book of Fab Facts. Um, but in between all of that, of course, we've been hearing from our Podstrons. Now, that's you. Uh, at home, our lovely listeners and viewers, whether you like it or not, by default, you are now a podstrom. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Isn't it? You're, You've got no choice in that. Infected, essentially, <laughs> and it's uh, it's incurable. Okay, yeah, exactly. And you've been emailing us, and you've been uh, posting on our Facebook group as well. You can get in touch with us whenever you want at podcast at jerryanderson.com. That doesn't change. No. Uh, neither does our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons. That doesn't change either. You're amazing at this. It's Day. like you've done it 263 times before. It's almost like that, isn't it? Uh, and I think that's just about it, isn't it, on the menu for today's um, little... Three course, five course, seven course, Jerry Anderson meal. <laughs> yes, the tasting menu. Yeah. Uh, so, well, would you like me to mm. get the book of Fab Facts out and deliver you what will hopefully be a Fab Fact? Yeah, go on then. Here's Fab Facts. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. It's Richard's favourite part. And yes, indeed, I do have a book of very fab facts right here. Look at that. Yeah, isn't it lovely? It's quite the tome. See how thick oh, it is? Mm. Yes. Well, you can't see if you're listening, but let yeah. me tell you, it is. <laughs> uh, so the name of the game is, well, Richard shouts fab at mm. a random point when I'm flicking through the book. Mm. At that point, I stop flicking, and hopefully on that page I happen upon a rather fab fact. Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be nice, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, so, for change. Uh, Richard, are you primed and ready with your fab? Born ready. I'm here with a book. Here we go. Fab! Oh! Very How's nice. That? Yeah? Slightly clammy thumb today, uh, so I did well, over, overflick a little tiny bit, but mm, okay. I do have a fab fact. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, go on. Go for uh, it. Richard, your memory of these podcasts is extremely good. I know it's almost encyclopedic, so I'm sure you'll remember back in Pod 259. Oh, that wasn't so long ago. Do you yes. remember when we discussed the alleged appearance of Frank Bellamy's ghost? The alleged appearance, yes. Yes, it was very much alleged. Well, it seems there are more similarities with the worlds of Jerry Anderson and the supernatural that we can delve into right here. Uh -huh. So, uh, in a 1970s edition of children's TV Time magazine Look In, Russell Slinger wrote in to ask Dad whether the central plot of Space 1999, which, for those of you not in the know, is the moon being torn away from the Earth's orbit by a oh. nuclear explosion. Yes, classic. Uh, whether that plot was potentially influenced in any way by me medieval French astrologer, apothecary and physician Nostradamus. I mean, there's a guest way for the podcast. We should get him on. Absolutely. Let's see what we can do. Uh, well, one of his prophecies describes... In the year 1999 and seven months, the great king of terror will come from the sky. 
Mm. Hey. It goes on to describe the end of the world and the King of Terror's departure on a rock. Right. Well, do you mm. want to know Dad's answer to the question? I can guess what Dad's answer to the question was. <laughs> Probably would have been a heavy eye roll. Yes. But no, in fact, he wrote an answer. Uh, he said, there certainly is a remarkable similarity, isn't there? Of course, the world uh, would probably be destroyed if the moon were slung out of orbit because probably. of tidal waves mm. and earthquakes and all sorts of other happenings linked with the moon. And of course, uh, there would be terror on, uh, on Earth and on the moon itself too. But it is in fact pure coincidence. Uh, I didn't know of this prophecy until Russell's letter arrived. I suppose I should add, uh, if one is a fatalist and believes in the fate, uh, in fate and predestiny, mm -hmm. one might argue that I was destined to make the series as a prophecy of what might happen. <laughs> but so far as I'm aware, <laughs> it is purely coincidental. Um, that does sound like Jerry Anderson, doesn't it? Very much. It's quite, yeah. quite dry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Not really getting into the spirit of things. Well, it's very good. Linked mm. to the, uh, the ghost the there. Mm. Yes. Uh, now. But was it a coincidence? Yes. Let's look at that prophecy once again, particularly the bit about the King of Terror departing on a rock. Hmm. Who was in charge of Moonbase Alpha when the moon blasted away, Richard? Do you remember? Uh, Koenig. Yes, and Koenig, as uh, all of our many German listeners will know, yeah. is German for... It's King! German for yeah, King, yes. And Koenig was, of course, the commander of all that remained of humanity on the moon, making him the King of the Terrans. Oh, do you know, I've just felt a shiver down my spine. Yeah, I me I just too. need to shut this window. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. Uh, so maybe Nostradamus didn't predict the end of the world at all, but instead he predicted the plot of Space 1999. <laughs> maybe he did. There you go. So, Podstrons, do you know of any other psychics or seers that predicted plots of Jerry Anderson's series? Maybe Mystic Meg foresaw a uh, Dick Spanner gag, perhaps, uh, that was actually funny. Uh, uh, no, I, that's, that is a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah. Or did uh, Russell Grant, perhaps, predict that Tom Watt would leave Space Precinct after a mere four episodes? Ah, uh, well, that's true. Yeah, let us know. And Russell Grant, if you're out there and you did know mm. uh, about Tom Watt, that terrible tragedy with <laughs> Beazle leaving... Um, we'd love to hear from you. We would. He's still around, isn't he, Russell Grant? Absolutely, oh, yes. Right, good, good. I saw him in a bar relatively recently. Uh, but what was the name of the other uh, chap that got in touch there on uh, uh, looking and wrote to your dad? Russell, I'm just wondering if he's a Podstron and if he's out there today. If you are listening, get in touch and uh, let us know how your life has turned out and if you could have predicted that. Yeah. 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 Mm. Anyway. Interesting. OK, so we seem to be taking a bit of a supernatural turn with Fab Facts lately. Well, we'll have to see what happens next time. Uh, can you, you prof prophesize that? <gasps> prophesize that. Anyway, we'll be back in ne the next poll with more uh, Fab Facts. But mm. for now, <gasps> that brings us to the end of this week's... Future uh, Facts! No, oh, no, you, blew what it. You bottled Sorry. it. Sorry. Jamie. Well, I was going to try and do Nostradamus Fact or Prediction Fact and... <sighs> yeah. Future okay. fact was good. Yeah, fine. All right. Uh, now, I have to say, um, Podstrons, uh, listeners and viewers, uh, we very often ask them to subscribe to our podcast, don't we? We, we do. But I, I want to make it very clear, here and now, that that's not for our sake. It's actually for your sake. <laughs> because if you subscribe, it means you get a brand new episode every week and you get notifications of that episode. Yeah. Which means you... You know, you probably wake up to it. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wonder about, oh, it's the next Jerry Anderson You don't podcast. have to go searching for it. No, it's just there in your app of choice. Imagine all the taps of typing G-E-R-R-Y space A and yeah, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, you don't have to spell out the whole thing. But you get the idea. Yeah, I do, yes. Uh, in the meantime, do get in touch uh, at podcast.jerryanderson.com. Uh, let us know what you think of our sparkling new format. Well. What? not sparkling yet, is it? It's but quite sparkling. Slightly frothy. Okay. Uh, let us know also if there's any other things you'd like to see on the Jerry Anderson podcast, because this is all about you. It's a, a little bit about me, to it be is. fair. 
Uh, but mostly it's about our listeners and we're here to serve. We're here to please, aren't we, Joby? <laughs> Always. Yeah. We try, we often fail. Uh, but mm. we've been hearing lots from Postrons. We have. Shall we hear from them now? <gasps> oh, who's opened that door? Something in the air. This is the voice of the Podsterons. Yes, it's the voice of the Podsterons. <laughs> you did that so long ago. Yes, I did. Wasn't it? it was sort of a bit of a feature for a while. Did I have laryngitis when I did that one? I can't remember. I think you just sounded a bit rubbish. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, so uh, yet again, people have been emailing in their droves. I have one here from Penquilla, who we met at Leicester, in fact, uh, and she goes on to write about just that. Dear Jamie, Richard and Chris, says Pen, uh, thanks for the brilliant weekend at Brit Sci-Fi, uh, even though I don't think I'll ever be able to look at a sideways shot of Fireball XL5 again without smirking. Oh... What can she mean? Mm, Chris Dale. <laughs> Naughty Chris Dale. Uh, I was listening to the live podcast today and was struck by a thought about the uh, Here Comes Candy episode on the randomizer. Oof. Why was it shot in colour? Mm. The one Jamie showed us at the first Andacon in 2014, she thinks, near mm. throw, had been black and white, which is what you'd expect for TV of that era. I can't imagine it would have been shown in cinemas, and I can't think of any other colour outlet, so why go to the expense of using colour film? Anyway, I'm looking forward to being able to watch the Randomizer episode soon from Penquilla. So, Pen, I'm interested that you remember a black and white version of Here Comes Candy because I, it's always been colour. Really? Yeah, yeah. What? I, th- I think not the original is... broadcast. No, but it was never broadcast. It was a, it was an un, unbroadcast pilot which we watched in 2014, oh, and gotcha. I'm, it was it was the same material. I'm glad you're here to explain things to me. Yes, I'm yeah. very happy to. Uh, so Here Comes Candy. Yes, I mean it was made by Pentagon, but after Dad left. Uh, and I guess they were just experimenting. They're saying, well, this is, there's this amazing new colour process we can use. We can make it in colour. Let's try it. Mm. And they did. Mm-hmm. And the result was this very quirky and quite offensive yeah. to, to modern ears yeah, yeah. Uh, puppet pilot show. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it was just pushing pushing the boundaries, pushing technology, which I, I guess you know was part of Dad's ethos back in the day anyway. So mm. makes sense that his partners from Pentagon were doing the same. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. There you go, Pen. Uh, now, do you have your script in front of you, Jamie? I do. Are you professional enough to read out the next letter? Let's find out. <laughs> right. Taking uh, our life into our hands. Ah, well, this is from Steve. <laughs> yes. With multiple E's. Well, that sounded like at least seven there. Three. He's only got three E's. Yeah. Uh, we also saw Stephen Laster, and Steve mm. said, Hello, gentlemen. Oh, hello, Steve. That's to all three of us, including Chris, I suspect. Thank you for organising and bringing us together at Leicester for, for the Brit Sci Fi weekend. I mean, we didn't organise anything no. to bring them together. That's no. really Willow and the rest of the, that was purely uh, the, the Potters group. And coincidental that they happened to be there at the same time as we were there. That's yeah, all that was. Exactly. Uh, it's great to be able to meet fellow Potters and bring newbies into the family. Yes, yeah, we love that too. It was such a lovely atmosphere. Um, well, Richard, mm-hmm. thank you for asking. Ah, oh, did what? What have I done? about his favourite thing in the weekend. Oh, OK. Did I? Go on, ask again. Um, well, Steve, tell me, what was your favourite thing about the weekend? Well, Richard, thank you for asking, I'm he right. says. Uh, my best bit of the weekend is meeting the fellow Podders and especially the Podders Arms members. That's yeah. a sort of subgroup of, uh, of Podstrons. Oh, I know. It's very fractal, isn't it? and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. Uh, can't wait for the next one. Thanks, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, also known as Cosplay Alan and not Virgil, Scott, John or a Power Ranger. Oh, gosh. Do you think he was mistaken for all those things during the weekend? I'm afraid so, yes. Orcs. I mean, I, I knew that he was Alan. All I certainly knew he was a Thunderbird. A th- you mean a uh, member of International yes, Rescue? Yes, yes. Oh, dear, Richard. That's a sacrilege. <laughs> oh, the mask has slipped. Shall we uh, move on? Yes, I think we ought to. I have a rather a long one. 
Do you? Yes, but I'm not going to let it show. Uh, this is from Will Kay, who says, Hey there, greetings from Seattle. I mean, isn't that amazing? We love our international listeners and now viewers. Incredibly international. All the way from Seattle. I really enjoyed seeing your guys' blurb on the inspiration of Jerry Anderson's work on Japanese science fiction and anime. There's a previous fab fact there. Well, that's great. See how fab they are? Knew it would come in useful one day. Uh, when I was in college, I indulged in exploring this very topic as part of a lengthy research assignment uh, in my design history course. As a UK-born kid raised in the US, my dad introduced me to Thunderbirds through imported VHS tapes. And around that time, I was also exposed to Toonami every day after school, which was a block of anime that ran on USA's Cartoon Network. Almost immediately, says Will, I was seeing similarities despite differing art styles and the wide gap of time between productions. I believe that Century 21 had a profound effect on generations of young Japanese who grew up in the 60s and 70s. Even today, there's as much nostalgia in Japan as in the UK. Uh, definitely inspired not only writers and animators, but also the engineers and scientists that really put Japan on the map for technology. Um, as some of the YouTube comments for the video pointed out, yes, people do comment beneath our YouTube videos. It's quite a lot of them. Mm. Uh, one of the most acclaimed series to be directly inspired by Jerry Anderson's work is Neon Genesis Evangelion. Something like that. That's closer than we pronounced it before, for sure. <laughs> Created by polarizing director Hideaki Anno. In fact, the animation studio Gainax, of which Anno founded, was pretty much made up by members of the Osaka University of the Arts UFO fan club. Amazing. I do recommend checking out the 26th episode NGE, as it's pretty much essential sci-fi viewing. Uh, and in particular, there's one which highlights some of the influences that Stingray, Thunderbird, Space 1999 and UFO have had on NGE. I'd also love to mention that the online uh, trailer for 2016 Shin Godzilla has the direct editing style of the classic UFO opening sequence. I love that opening sequence. Yeah. Yeah, nice. One of the best. Yeah, it's no surprise that Hideaki, uh, Hideaki Anno was also the director and creative mind behind the film. Uh, if you got this far, says Will, thanks for taking the time to read this letter. Well, I did, and I have. Um, it's a topic I love exploring and talking about, clearly. Uh, so I thought I'd write in. Cheers, and that's from Will Kay. Thanks, Will Kay. Great. Yeah. I mean, I think we'd known for a long, long time how much of an influence Anderson's had in Japan in mm. terms of entertainment and sciences and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And I mentioned before when I went over for the 2014 Thunderbirds Expo, mm -hmm. went to the Thunderbirds Cafe in Tokyo. Nice. And uh, they had a Scott Tracy in a glass case signed by Shane Rimmer. And nice. I was recognised by a, a family. Yeah, uh, yeah, as, yeah. What, Moid? Yes, they mistake me for Signed a puppet. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Mm. Uh, but no, the, the influence is massive. But it's amazing how kind of how far reaching it is into all this anime stuff as well. Uh, yes, I mean, you know, it's, it's not to be underestimated, is it? A real cultural icon of the ages. Really, Jerry Anderson. Globally. Uh, globally. And we're not really aware of that, are we? It's rather like a sort of a touring band in the 1970s that made it big in Germany. And in the UK, we may not know much about them. Of course, we do know about Jerry Anderson here, but we mustn't underestimate the global impact he had as well. Yeah. The Just massive and across generations and people who've gone into, you know, working at NASA and ESA and all sorts yeah. of places. It's quite amazing, really. Yeah. Nice. So thanks, um, Would you like your email read out on the Jerry Anderson podcast? Not yes, you. Please. No, oh. not you talking to them. Uh, if you would, send it into podcast at jerryanderson.com uh, and I shall endeavour to read it out in the next few weeks. Well, I can't wait for more. I know, I can tell by the way you're sitting. Thanks. You're, oh, sorry. You're mm. tensed. Yeah, you're I'm stand by for action. For podster on emails. Yeah. Yes, no, I can't wait, so please do write in. Uh, now, I feel like we've got mm. some Jerry Anderson news to share. Oh, I should hope so. Yeah, but to do that, yeah. 
we have to hand over now to a distant other secret location studio right. to other me oh God. to get the news. You mean there are two of you? Oh, yes. Deep joy to the eyeball. Oh, here we go, it's the Jerry Hansen News. Hello, I'm your host, Jamie Anderson, and this is the Jerry Anderson News, bringing you the latest from Anderson Entertainment in our weekly Jerry Anderson Roundup. First, some news that fans will undoubtedly be excited about. The highly anticipated Space 1999 graphic novel Aftershock and All is now available to pre-order at the special price of $27.99. Be sure to act swiftly as this price will rise to $29.99 on Friday the 7th of July. For those seeking adventure, 5 Star 5 The Battle for Kestra is coming. Mark your calendars as the final book in the trilogy will be open for pre-orders on the 5th of July. This limited edition hardback is not one to miss for any ardent fan. The 10th of July is a day that holds special significance for Anderson enthusiasts. It's Captain Scarlet Day. To celebrate, there will be a limited edition release of only 100 sets of Ron Embleton end title card art prints, sized at a generous A3. Additionally, the audiobook of Martian Menace will be available on a mini-album style CD, and for digital download too. An updated making of documentary, Captain Scarlet Declassified, will also go on ITVX. A timely update for fashion forward fans, new t-shirts are arriving just in time for summer and will be going live on the 7th of July. The popular International Rescue, Spectrum, Moonbase Alpha and Shadow Tees are all set to be back in stock. Lastly, for the uninitiated, the Jerry Anderson podcast is not only sticking around, but it's becoming a visual treat. Broadcasting from its new home at Moxie Slough, the show can now be watched in its entirety on YouTube. This may not be news to the already devoted, but newcomers can now fully immerse themselves in the world of Jerry Anderson every week. That's all for this week's Jerry Anderson News. Stay tuned for more updates from Anderson Entertainment. I'm Jamie Anderson. Back to Richard and Jamie in the studio. That was the news. That was the news. <sighs> you see, some things never change. Do you know what? Mm -hmm. It really... It, it really elevates the whole thing to see you perform it as well uh, as, as well as here. I mean, people the... pay good money for those sort of tickets Do they? to see me perform. I say good money. Mm. They get comps. Usually. Yeah, free, yeah, free, yeah. zero pounds. Yeah, free. was I a bit roomy when I was singing? Because I had to get back from the mic. You see, and I quite I... liked it. Oh, right, great, uh, excellent, operatic. Yeah, nice. So, uh, uh, your Jerry Anderson news. Yes, and it's all about you, oh, isn't it? Uh, so why is it always about Richard Blumin James every time? Hmm. So what have you done? You've written another book, have you? Oh, oh I've gone and written another book. Yeah, no, come on. So it's the it's the third instalment of Five yes. Star Five. Yes. Called the Battle for Kestra. Uh, is that right? Yes, I think that is right. I mean, I hope that's the title. I'm that's, pretty that, sure that's, that's the, the title you gave it, and that's the title yeah. that's printed on the cover. Let's stick with that. Let's go with that, yeah. and unless we hear otherwise. So, okay, so for the uninitiated, mm. just very briefly, yes. what is Five Star Five? Why are you writing a book of it? Yeah. And how have you done three when there was only ever one unmade script? Yes, that's right. So the original Five Star Five novel, uh, John Lovell and the Zargon Prep, was based on an unproduced uh, film script by uh, Tony Barwick and uh, Jerry Anderson, uh, which Jamie sent me a few years ago. I novelised that, always with an intention, I think, to do some sequels. Yeah, you left some threads there, yeah, I didn't you? some threads. Uh, which I then picked up in the second book, The Doomsday Device, and which are concluded in the third book, The Battle for Kestra. Now, we've had the Zargons, who are the bad guys, 
We've had them uh, trying to invade Kestra. Mm-hmm. We've had them trying to destroy Kestra. Mm-hmm. And now in this final book, we have them trying to infiltrate Kestra. Oh. Now, the question is, why are they so desperate to get their hands on the planet Kestra? Yeah. What is it about Kestra that's so special? Well, you'll have to read the book. Of course you will. Yeah. There you go. You, uh, you heard it here, Ponstrom. Yeah. Uh, you can pre-order the book from the 5th of July. Fantastic. Yeah. It's also, I have to say, more than likely the last book. I mean, it's always going to be a trilogy, isn't it? That yeah. just seems... Seems the right thing to do. I feel like you've wrapped up the Five Star Five universe pretty damn well. Yeah. So good on you. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it's a limited edition hardback. Right. So if you have the other two and you want the third one, mm. then you better skedaddle. Is that a good word? That's a bit old fashioned, isn't it? You better get on with it. That's what right. uh, On the fifth, where you can Got to stay it. current, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, good. fine. Uh, but if you're, you're less bothered about that, it will be later uh, available as an ebook and paperback. Mm. There you go. Nice. Well Excellent. done, you. You're well, so prolific. Well aren't you? done. Me. And you've done another book recently, but we'll talk about that <sighs> on a future podcast. Yes, when I've finished it. Doesn't finish it. Yeah. Useless. I've been rather busy. Now, would you like to welcome our first guest to Jeff Tracy's sofa? I, I mean, yes. I mean, you've already said who it is, so you, there's no drama to this now. But yes, could you make it dramatic and exciting? I'm looking forward to her arriving. Our guest today may be better known to her thousands of social media followers as TARDIS Monkey. Her love of TV stems from Doctor Who, but she describes herself as a super nerd who loves watching classic movies and TV shows, gaming, and even cosplay. It's Ellie Collins! Now, Ellie, I know you have thousands of uh, followers on social media and Twitter and Instagram and so on, uh, where you're known as TARDIS Monkey. Yes. Talk me through that. Um, Well, basically, uh, my parents, when I was younger, didn't want me putting my name out on the internet and stuff like that. So I came up with a name, uh, TARDIS, because of Doctor Who. I'm a massive Doctor Who fan, obviously. Um, And then Monkey is because of the Chinese animal of my birth year. Fantastic. TARDIS Monkey, I like it. Uh, Now, you're known on Twitter really as a, I think it's fair to say, a bit of a nerd, a bit of a sci-fi geek, a bit of a cosplayer. Yep. Uh, So I've been following you over recent weeks and looking at your tweets, and I've noticed, well, answer me this. Why is someone your age watching TV programmes that I used to watch when I was about seven? I mean, it, it all kind of transpired from when I was a kid anyway, because as I was growing up, uh, in the 90s, a lot of repeats were on TV. So I remember watching a lot of, like, obviously Jerry Anderson's stuff, like Captain Scarlet, everything, um, Magic Roundabout, you know, all those kind of programs. So I remember watching that uh, when I was younger. And my dad and my granddad were heavily into sort of watching uh, classic television that obviously oh. they grew up with, got me VHS tapes of stuff. And right. that's that's how it kind of transpired from there. And yeah, okay. just kind of carried on even, even now watching stuff. Yeah, nice. Okay, right. Well, we're going to put your Anderson credentials to the test. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, with the first game uh, for you on the sofa. Uh, this is called so- Super Identification. That's the name cool. I'll give yeah, it. Yeah, Sounds yeah. a bit Jerry Anderson. I'm yeah. quite happy with that. Uh, so I'm going to show you some very brief clips of pretty much all of Jerry's either opening titles or closing titles okay. from 1957, I think, uh, all the way through to 2005. Right. Uh, and let's see how many of them you recognise. So when you see one that you know, shout it out. Otherwise, awesome. it's going to be a very long pause. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. play Super Identification. <laughs> Blank look so far. <laughs> Still black and I'm, white. I'm doing, I'm doing very well, aren't I? 
<laughs> no? Not bringing back any memories? No! We're still early days. I'm doing great. Thunderbird! <laughs> no, stay ready! That's it! <laughs> well done! And now we're in colour. There we go. Oh, Thunderbirds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Scarlet. Very quick response. Joe 90. Good. Oh, secret. Yes. Secret service or whatever it is. Hey, yeah, yeah. Well done. Blank looks. Nope. We've lost you. Oh, Space 1999. This is an emergency. Uh, Terrorhawks. Yes, good. Right across the universe. And finally, it's new Captain Scarlet. Yeah, Scarlet. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. we'll give you that one as well. There you go. Well done. Round of applause for Ellie. Excellent work. Okay, so let's have a look at the scores on the doors. That's a nine you got there. That's not bad at all. Now, uh, I'm going to give you this little memento. <laughs> Uh, let's put your score on here. For those of you who are listening to us on audio only, you might want to head over to YouTube and see the video uh, because that's a little something for you to put on the back of the sofa there to remind us all in future times of your score in super identification. Brilliant. So well done. Now, it's interesting watching those and the memories that you have. Uh, obviously, some of them were, were much older than, than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it seemed that your Jerry Anderson knowledge maybe started around the sort of Stingray Thunderbirds. So I'm guessing yeah. you were watching repeats. Yeah, yeah. The, they were on in the 90s when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. I just remember them all the time on television and stuff. When it was on ITV and stuff. And uh, so let us picture the scene. Where were you uh, brought up? Where did you spend your early years? Well, uh, I was born in Bristol, but I actually lived most of my younger years in Norwich. Ah. So Okay. Well, uh, most of the time it was like, you know, my granddad used to send them because he used to live in Bristol, he used to send them to me on VHS or whatever when I used to live in Norwich. Ah, so, right. Yeah, yeah. So was it a family experience sitting around the TV or was it something that we It would be me and my own? dad. Yeah, okay. totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what was it about uh, the uh, Super Marination shows that uh, sort of picked your I mean, they're just so they're just so exciting, aren't they? I mean, it's all it's all just big explosions, uh, lots of action and stuff like that. And I think as a kid, you're like, oh my god, there's like spaceships and things flying and blowing up yeah. and fighting, and you know, and you don't get that with like sort of other shows and. Uh, the big sort of musical orchestral themes with it as well just really kind of grips you yes. when you're younger. And yes. Even now, like I still watch it sort of thing. Yes. So, yeah, we yeah. very often find that if people don't uh, recognise the images of the shows themselves, it's the music that seems yeah. to spark something in their brain. It's Definitely. that wonderful Barry Gray sound that's yeah. so evocative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, you're known, I think, to many people in fandom, sci-fi fandom, as a bit of a cosplayer. Yes. I think that's fair enough, isn't yes. it? Now, what is it about cosplay that you enjoy most? I mean, it's sort of just replicating, you know, your heroes that you see on screen and stuff like that. And I mean, again, ever since I was really young, I, I remember actually having a Captain Scarlet costume, right. Thunderbirds, right. Like, even when I was you, a kid sort of thing. You like, didn't bring them today? No, I don't think I'd fit in it sure. anymore. Like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's sort of like replicating that. And then it's sort of afterwards seeing like people's reactions to the effort that you put in into ah. cosplaying and stuff as well, where 
people come up to you and go, oh, that's incredible, sort of like what you've done. You're like, well, I've just cobbled this together just right. because I like the show. I want to show off and also like meeting actors from the TV shows mm -hmm. and stuff and getting their reaction mm -hmm. on your efforts as well is, is really lovely. So you make the costumes that I see you post on Twitter and Instagram? Or yeah, but sometimes I, I mainly sort of buy bits and bobs online and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I have sort of had my auntie's next door neighbor make me a pair of trousers and stuff like <laughs> right. that for my costumes. So, yeah, is yeah. it important that it's as realistic or as close to the screen costume as possible? I think it all depends on sort of your budget and stuff because at the end of the day cosplaying is all meant to be about fun yeah. at the end of it. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be sort of like, you know, oh, this shirt's £2,000 or whatever mm. and because it's screen accurate or whatever. Mm. It's like, it's about getting the experience of being at convention in cosplay, meeting people at conventions and, you know, sort of building the friendships and stuff from there. Fantastic. Great. All right. Let's take you back to those early years then, because I asked you before you joined us to send me a, a little uh, uh, suggestion of what your favourite or rather your first Jerry Anderson memory yeah. was. Uh, so let's take a look at uh, Ellie's first Anderson memory. <laughs> I'll draw his fire. Take up when I tell you, Symphony. Go down! Like Symphony, now! Captain Blue, I'll keep him occupied. Fire the SPV rockets as soon as the Magnacopter is clear. But, Captain, you'll be killed. SIG. Ooh. Will he recover in time for next week's episode? Oh, I don't know about that. Almost <laughs> certainly. Because that's what he does. That's exactly. the great thing about Captain Scarlet. Uh, Chris Dale, who's sitting behind the camera there, what episode was that from? That was The Trap. The Trap. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so, how old would you have been when you first saw Captain Scarlet? Oh, probably about five. Right. Four or five, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we've got a little Captain Scarlet gun there for you. <laughs> Brilliant. Pretty nice, isn't it? Uh, now, also in your email to me, you suggested that um, watching these programmes was uh, what inspired you in your sort of professional life as well. Yeah. So tell us a bit about that. Uh, well, I work in uh, television. Um, so sort of, yeah, shows like this. I uh, wanted to work in production originally, sort of like with the cameras and actually like sort of making the show. Um, but then as I started pursuing it, um, went to university, studied film and TV and stuff. And then I actually got into the post-production side of it. So uh, ingesting footage and editing programs and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what really inspired me to create the, the story itself. Mm. I, I just love the storytelling mm. of uh, programs like Captain Scarlet and everything. Mm. And that, you know, choosing the best shots and everything. And I was like, thinking, oh yeah, you know, you could have that explosion there and cut to this close up. And, uh, you know, even as a kid, sort of, I picked up on the sort of uh, camera angles and right. stuff like that. And this really heavily inspired me to become an editor. Right. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to take that before you shoot. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, I'll nick yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's very expensive. Uh, now, uh, I saw you uh, tweeting recently about uh, watching, I think, the whole of Blake 7. Yes. Now, a lot of people aren't very forgiving of older TV shows. <laughs> But mm. you seem to be. Why? Why can you forgive quite so much? I mean, 
I grew up with Doctor Who. It was my main thing. And, you know, bless Doctor Who in all its glory. It was very low budget back in the day, as many people will know. And it's one of these that as a kid as well, you just don't care. You don't care about if a camera wobbles a little bit or a set's a bit wobbly. You're just so involved in the story and the characters and just like the action that's going on. And I think even then sort of thing, like I get, you know, some sets are, you know, for Blake 7 are quite low budget and everything, <laughs> but because the characters are so well developed um, and they really engage you, you just dismiss it. You just yeah. kind of go into your own realm of like, no, I can, I can sort of get on board with the wobbliness. Like maybe that's what their universe is like, sort of thing. You never know. <laughs> They're living thing. in a wobbly universe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You know, Toby Haydock, of course. Yeah. And uh, I was listening to one of his Doctor Who podcasts, but I think actually this is uh, uh, counts across the board for sort of older TV in that if the producers gave it a good stab yep. at uh, suggesting what they were aiming for, yep. as viewers, though, in those days, we were quite happy with that. And we could sort of fill in the blanks and think, oh, OK, I see what they were getting at. They're after a, you know, a, a, a super duper underwater sequence and they, they haven't quite got there, but, but my imagination can yeah. fill in the blanks. We're not quite so forgiving now, are we, you know, in the TV that we watch? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, because we're so reliant upon CGI and everything now and big budget shows and stuff like that. I mean, you see like a lot of stuff on Disney Plus that could be shown in the cinema and whatever. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a certain sort of charm, I think, with older telly because, as you said, it was trying to be what like, you know, the big budget things are now, but they had to be so creative in the way that they did it. And I mean, I was watching like a special feature on Blake Seven and I think um, the set director was saying that he literally used egg boxes because the budget was so low that he just painted egg boxes just to make a spaceship. And you've got to give somebody credit for doing that because yes. it, lo it still looks great up on screen sort yeah. of thing. And, uh, you know, for a budget of £2.50, <laughs> you've got to give them a bit of slack, haven't yeah. you? Like, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Derek Meddings famously in the, uh, I think it's Thunderbird 1 launch bay, has the uh, a lemon squeezer. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Painted silver <laughs> and stuff on the wall. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, examples of that sort of thing. Uh, now, talking of big budgets, uh, I had hoped that uh, Jamie Anderson had provided a little receptacle for us uh, to house the wonderful viewers and listeners questions that have been sent in uh, in their scores over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but what we actually ended up with <laughs> was a, a rather unfortunate looking Zelda mask. Oh dear. <laughs> so I can only apologise. Sorry. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Let's hope things get better in the next few <laughs> weeks. So I'm going to invite you, Ellie, and I'm really sorry about this, to reach into Zelda's mask for the first of our viewers and listeners' questions. It's not what I thought I'd be doing no, today. No, <laughs> I know, I know. And you'll probably never do it again. No, never. <laughs> I hope that's some solace to you. Right. Jeff Tilly says, what actor faves that appeared in both Jerry Anderson and Doctor Who? Um, ah, what are your actor faves who appeared in both Jerry Anderson and Doctor Who? Help us out, Chris. Can you think of some crossovers from Doctor Who and Jerry Anderson? Were you a fan so much of the live action uh, Jerry Anderson no, series? No, I, I was more of the puppets yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Shane Rimmer and David Graham. Oh, David Graham, series. actually. I'll say David Graham. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, Dalek's yeah, voices yeah. and, of course, famous as Brains exactly. and yeah. uh, Parker, of yes. course, and Thunderbirds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. There's another one. Uh, get your hand into Zelda's <laughs> mask. I've got to come up with a wittier capture. <laughs> yeah, that's not really working. Okay. Morty Vicker said, what would be your best Hooniverse slash 
uh, and diverse crossover idea. Would you send the TARDIS to Alpha on September 12, 1999 to stop the breakaway uh -huh. and then stop Space 1999 completely? Help Shadow stop the aliens harvesting organs or would it be something totally new crossover idea? <laughs> oh, that's a question, Doctor isn't Who, it? Doctor Who, like, Anderson crossover. Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm trying to think now, sort of. I mean, I'd love, I'd love like a Thunderbirds Doctor Who crossover. I think yeah. that would be bloody brilliant. Yeah. Trying to, trying to save a planet or something like that, like yeah. alien invasion or like just yeah. completely hybrid sort of thing. I uh, think would yeah. be incredible. I mean, the rights would be fairly prohibited, I would think. Oh, uh, just, uh, just a tad. Yeah. There's, a, there's a Star Trek um, uh, Strange New Worlds episode yes. which crosses over into um, Lower Decks. I yeah, think, yeah, the animated yeah, yeah, series. Yeah. Yeah. Would be great to see, uh, well, Shooter Gatwa or David Tennant yeah. kind of interacting with uh, with Thunderbirds. I mean, imagine like, yeah, if it was sort of like a crossover episode and like, yeah, Shooty turns into a puppet or something like that, sort of <laughs> joins the Andiverse, like universe sort of thing. You like, heard it here be, first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Dale, there's a, there's a, a novelization of uh, a, a Doctor Who story which uh, strays into the Andiverse. Yes. What's that? Uh, the Indestructible Man, Captain Scarlet. UFO kind of crossover from the second doctor. There you go. Nice, okay. Than the author just ah, there we nice. go. Nice. So not a thousand miles away. Oh, that, yeah, that yeah, could see. Happen. Yep. Okay. Put your hand into Zelda's mask. I'm trying to sell it, Jamie. <laughs> right. The ginger doctor who? What piece of merchandise is your favourite of those you own, and which is your most sought after of those you don't own yet? Oh, are you a big fan of merch? Yeah, I do collect a lot of things. Because so... you attend a lot of conventions, don't yeah, you? Is yeah, that where yeah. you tend to spend most of your money? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah, yeah. Because I collect a lot of uh, like Doctor Who books and ah. uh, annuals and stuff ah. like that. So if anything, I'm going to be uh, really typical, but it will be the pink uh, Doctor Who Pertwee annual right. is, is like the ultimate treasure because ah. it's super rare. Ah, that's the Holy Grail. Holy Grail okay. sort of thing. So that would be that would be up there. Yeah, because I'm very fortunate that I've actually got Longborough, which is another rare Doctor Who book. Okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. And would that be your favourite piece of merch that you do own or would that be something else? Um, oh, favourite piece of merch. Um, I'm trying to think what I've got. I mean, yeah, I, to be fair, because I, I quite like my uh, Doctor Who Blu-ray box sets that I've got at the moment, mm. only because I've got pretty much all of the cast to sign every single one at the moment. Ah, nice. So those and the DVDs and stuff like that are yeah. like close to my heart, basically. So uh, what sort of thing do you go for? Do you go for uh, models and toys or uh, is it more DVDs and uh, books? I, yeah, I tend to go for stuff that I can use. So uh, like DVDs, books, um, I've even got like the audio cassettes wow. uh, and stuff like that, like the big finish audios okay. and stuff. And as do you well. still have the means to play them as well? Yeah, I've got a cassette player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, going old <laughs> school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put your hand, I'm losing the will to live, into Zelda's mask. Let's have another question. Also feeling slightly awkward with it on my lap here. But it does look weird, I know. Sorry about I that. feel like there should be some twinkly music or something every time you like it. Ellie knows how to sell a gag. That's it, yeah. Uh, Tab Tabitha Hoop says, what is your favourite Anderson production and which Doctor Who villain slash alien do you think would fit best in it? Maybe the Hood and the Master scheme together on the Aquafibius and Sea Devils come into conflict. <laughs> you know about the Hood, who is the villain from Thunderbirds? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so another crossover question, interesting. 
Who's your favourite and which Doctor Who villain slash alien? Because I'm just thinking it would be Captain Scarlet, mm -hmm. but it would be Captain Black. Yes. And I'm trying to think who Captain Black would be good with. Oh. Um, He'd team up with the Rani, surely. Yeah, or the Cybermen or something like that. <laughs> yes. Just something, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, big finish are listening. I mean, this is yeah, gold, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, last one for now, because um, I think we've just about got the most out of this segment. Putting your hand in Zelda's mask. Right, Paul Hyder says, which TV series or films set you off on the road to fandom? Uh, I mean, it was a good combination of lots of things. So I'd yeah, definitely say sort of like, yeah, Captain Scarlet, yeah. Thunderbird, Stingray, all those kind of things. Definitely Doctor Who. Um, films, I mean, sort of when I was younger, it was definitely Back to the Future and uh, Indiana Jones and right. stuff like that. Sort of all the big classics. Star Wars, obviously. As so well. there's something very heroic about the things that yes. you like to watch. Do you see yourself as a hero in life? Is that where you would place yourself in a film or a TV show? I'd like to be, yeah, I could try. Try your best. Yeah. So who's your favourite character from, let's say, Blake 7, for example? Now, see, I'm going to throw a curveball because I like Villa. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. He, you know, he tries his best sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that's that's the whole point. But then, obviously, he's got his flaws, yeah. like everybody does, sort yeah. of thing, with his alcohol and, you know, gambling and whatever. <laughs> but also, uh, as well, I do like Avon, even though he is a bit, uh, problematic sometimes, I'll mm, say. So yes. a very logical, logical man that can get him into hot waters and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, and it's funny, sort of. But then if I watch something like Doctor Who, the Doctor would be the person I go, yeah, that's the okay. person I relate to and okay. stuff like that. So yeah, yeah Blake Seven's a bit of an oddity, really. Yeah, that's strange, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Uh, now, I have often thought that you're uh, in the world of fandom, a sort of a force for good, really, in that we know that fandom is very often divisive yeah. or can be. Uh, and you'll sort of have none of that. And we try the same thing here on the podcast to be very inclusive yep. and to say, hey, look, we're celebrating something that we happen to like. And if you don't like it, that's absolutely fine. Yep. And, uh, you know, but uh, but join us if you want to. Yep. Now, when you were growing up and starting to watch these programmes, did mm. you find others to watch it with? Or what was the reaction to friends or family to your <laughs> interest in these shows? I mean, it's interesting because when I was growing up, uh, my friends didn't really watch the stuff that I watched. They watched completely separate things so uh so a lot of it i was kind of on my own mm -hmm. uh growing up with this stuff but it was weird because it was like oh this is mine this is my thing and uh, it wasn't until sort of maybe i was in my later teens that i then sort of reached out when the internet obviously was a bit more open like we have facebook and stuff mm -hmm. that i then started chatting to other people who liked you know the same stuff as that I did and then eventually it sort of transpired there and then I was like oh actually people do watch classic tv because I did feel as a kid I was very much on my own sort of thing because yeah, yeah I don't know it was a different generation in the 90s I think again it always depends on sort of like what your parents watched and then what they like influence you with or if they just stuck you in front of the tv and went I'll just watch anything sort of thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've since found yourself really in, in, in something of a, of a community. Yeah. Uh, how does that feel? It's lovely. It's great because, I mean, um, funny enough, I was chatting to Colin Baker about this. <laughs> just drop, just just name dropping, yeah. Because yeah. um, uh, I went to Portsmouth Comic Con a couple of weeks ago and um, uh, one of the um, people who was helping out, Macaulay, um, you know, we spotted each other, like giving each other a hug. And Colin kind of looked at both of us and he went, 
how do you know all these people sort of thing? And it's like, well, we've got this online community that we all chat to each other. We all say, oh, you know, you go into this event, you're doing this event. And then, you know, we meet up, we go to the pub for drinks, you mm -hmm. know, and just have like a good old social life. So, you know, the conventions are great, but sometimes it's like the stuff afterwards that you can just sort of have a good catch up. And, you know, you may not see each other for like a good sort of year or whatever but it feels like you've never really been apart sort yeah. of thing which is lovely yeah it's like family isn't it yeah it's totally family, i guess yeah um who's the favorite person that you've ever met then from a tv show or film that you I'm gonna have to say colin aren't i because he'll yes. kill me otherwise uh, yes. so like... now, you, now you've mentioned his name <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so why is that was it because of his performance as the doctor that uh yeah i mean you know because he was so underrated as the doctor and i loved him when i was a kid attack of the cybermen and stuff is like some of my all-time favorite doctor who stories when i was growing up i had the cyberman tin the vhs mm -hmm. tin mm -hmm. and um he was the first actor i met um when i first started doing conventions as well it was him and um sylvester mccoy because mm -hmm. we were in the airfleet arms museum in yeovil so they <laughs> right. were they were sat under concord like <laughs> signing stuff right. um so he was the first one i met and it was one of those things that you know, over the years, you ch you get chatting to the guests and everything, and you build up that relationship, which is just really lovely. And honestly, so I've got I've got a, a autograph from Colin now, which I'm just keeping dear to my heart because uh, he signed it to my best friend. And ah. um, you know, that's just nice. so lovely. Nice. Yeah. Is there anything you won't watch? <laughs> you seem to have very broad and eclectic tastes. Maybe what... podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apart from the Jerry Anderson podcast, is there anything you wouldn't watch? Uh, mainly Love Island and oh, stuff really? like that. Okay, yeah, so you're not yeah. a fan of reality TV no. as such. No, no, no. Uh, so you go for kind of drama, yes. usually with a sci-fi yeah. slant to it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Excellent. Uh, now, that sound means that it's time to play one of my favourite items in the show, Quick Fire Five! Yay! Here we go. Now, <laughs> now I'm going to give you five options, either or questions, okay? And it's up okay. to you to decide which you would prefer. Are you ready for your quick five five? Yes. Ellie Collins, right. Would you rather spend the day on a Tracy Island beach with Virgil and the boys, or do a deep sea dive with Stingray? Oh, deep sea dive. Would you? Yep. Okay. Would you rather be a sheriff of a sleepy western town like Four Feather Falls, or patrol the streets of an alien planet with the cops of Space Precinct? Space precinct. Oh, good on you. Uh, superpowers. Would you rather be able to hear your animal friends talk like Tex Tucker can, or never ever die like Captain Scarlet? Captain Scarlet. Of course. <laughs> Would you rather swim like Stingray's Aquamarina, or know everything like Joe 90? Oh, Aquamarina. Would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. And finally, you have to pick a colour from the deluxe paint range and become a Spectrum agent. Are you Captain Sumptuous Plum, <laughs> or Captain Soft Apple? Oh, soft apple. No, <laughs> oh, give it up for Captain Soft Apple. <laughs> Lovely. Suits you. Yeah, suit you. That, yeah. Uh, so you chose to go on a deep sea dive with uh, with Stingray. Yeah. Uh, are you a are you a sea person? Uh, my sister does deep sea diving. Right. So she tells me all the stories, and my dad does used to do it as well. Really? Sort of when yeah, when he was uh, younger as well. And, runs in the family. Uh, runs in the family. So yeah, swimming, all that kind of stuff. We love it. Oh really? Yeah. Have you, have you been deep sea diving yourself? No, I've been so snorkeling. I don't do the yeah. deep sea snorkeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. It. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week, Elliot. Now, uh, would you like to give us uh, a little heads up for all your social media? Where we, where can we find you and follow you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, all at Tardis Monkey. Fantastic. Uh, would you care to join us again next week? Oh, definitely. I'm so pleased you said that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much to Ellie Collins. <laughs>
fantastic. Oh, now, I knew... Ellie's so lovely. I, I knew she'd be fun. I had to ask her to join us for this very... Well, I say it, it does feel like the first, doesn't it? Yeah. It's sort of a reboot, sort of a relaunch. Yeah. But not. It's weird, isn't it? It's just, it's a, it's a new chapter. It's a new chapter. Same book, new chapter. <laughs> Same book, same cover. Probably written by Richard James, to be honest. Almost certainly. Uh, but lovely to have Ellie on our sofa, and uh, she'll be joining us again next week. Uh, so we've learnt about um, her, her, her first Anderson memories. Next Good week, choice. we'll be talking about her favourite Anderson character. Ooh, I've yeah. got an idea she might pick. But oh. I'm, I'm not going to let you on. Now, yeah. I've got a theory about people's picks for their favourite series and characters. Would you, do you want to hear it? Is it is it very complex, this hypothesis? Yeah, or? it goes quite deep. Okay. Right. Uh, now, I think if you're a fan of uh, Thunderbirds, I think you're all about family. Oh, okay. Uh, and that perhaps you, you needed more family when you were younger, or perhaps it represents your family. Okay. But I think there are family issues going on. Told you it was going to get deep. This is where we get the pop psychology, Space Richard. 1999, you're a loner. You're going out on your own. You're leaving the tribe to forge your own way. Okay. Yeah? Like yeah. Captain Scarlet is all about immortality. You want to live forever. You want to leave a legacy or you want to stay young. Okay. Yeah, do you like or, it? Or, or you you were repeatedly, you know, you struggled and you always came back. Hmm. That's we, I've, I've had people literally say that to me. Oh, so, right. you know, yeah, this isn't enough. theory, mate. This is practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's as far as I've got. Okay. Unless you want to, ch you know, just chuck a series at me and I'll tell you what it's all about. Have Stingray? Um, it's about plumbing the depths. It's about going deep. You like to go deep. You like to navigate the uncharted waters of the human psyche. Or you're a greasy Lothario, Troy Tempest-like character who uh, is a bit of a sleazeball. Well, yeah, okay. You could, yeah. Uh, yeah. So but anyway, Stingray fans out there, sorry. Yeah, well, thanks for trashing my uh, new psychology uh, item no, in the it's podcast. A, it's a lovely idea. I'll delve more into that next week yeah. and I'll ask you about Joe Mind. Fair enough. Uh, now, uh, our podstrons, of course, not only are very active in sending in their emails, but they're also all over Facebook like a rash. <laughs> Hopefully there's a cream for that. Yes, because, uh, as luck would have it, we have our very own Facebook group. We do. And the address is? Facebook.com slash groups slash podsterons. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, for example, Clint Nickel, I've just got a couple here. He posted, well, I couldn't make it to the Space Centre the other week. I'm in oh. Australia. Oh, fair enough, Clint. Okay, I thought you were going to say, oh, I'm in Nottingham mm. a bit far, but yeah. no, Australia, fair yes. enough. Yes, but we do have a sci-fi convention here called Supernova. Good title. Uh, and I attended the event this weekend in Perth, Western Australia. I was pretty happy to see Jerry Anderson represented in the model kit area. Very glad to see that international reach once again. Yes. Isn't it amazing? Yes, nice. CJ List says, Pod 261's randomizer landed on fire at Rig 15 last week. I'm a little bit behind, says CJ List. Uh, not so far behind. I mean, we have people who are starting from the beginning even now. There's people emailing and saying, I've just listened to Pod 51. Yes. Can I get that T-shirt that you mentioned in the news? <laughs> no. Four years ago. Uh, and the randomizer general's thoughts on Jason Smith's truck having a Thomas the Tank Engine-style personality had me in stitches. I think you have rather a Thomas the Tank Engine-style personality, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> I think you're said that Gordon. That, controller. <laughs> yeah. uh, that and Dr. Fawn just appearing at a meeting when he wasn't really needed. Where, where were the other captains? One theory I realised when listening to it was about Captain Black. This is the second time he uses hypnotic style powers to kill a target. He used similar powers in Renegade Rocket, which oddly enough used the exact same music cue. It also seems to have gained the ability of invisibility, as he could only be seen when the light was switched on. I missed this episode during the initial BBC Two run as the show took a two-week break. It wasn't until the DVD release when I saw it. Ooh, the days before Digiboxes and DVD. Even Digiboxes, that sounds old now. Yeah, Digiboxes. And DVD. I mean, it's Blu-ray now and it's oh, streaming. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, so just a couple of mentions there from our Facebook group. But do join in the fun. They're a lovely bunch of people. We say this every week. But we can't really overestimate. Underestimate. I mean underestimate. We can't oversell. 
Yes. How brilliant they are. There you go. You know, yeah. that's it. That is true. Yeah. That is true. They're, but they're incredibly friendly, so welcoming. Yeah. And at the, at the sci-fi uh, oh. event, Brit Sci-Fi, yeah. we met new Podstrons yep. who had only joined recently. Yep. Welcomed in by this lovely group. Yep. Uh, you know, fat, they found their tribe. They did. Um, had a great happy time. Yep. So, yeah, you, you know, if you're new to this, then welcome along uh, and and do join in the fun because everyone's so well welcoming and so nice and so often fandoms can get a little bit fractious and yes. awkward and tense and we see none of that with the Podstrons. No, we so, won't stand for it. We <laughs> will not stand for that's it. That's why Richard rules the Podstrons group with an iron fist. I do, I do. I give it in a drawer, actually. <laughs> uh, I'll get it out for the end of the podcast. Uh, now, uh, the great thing, of course, about being sort of, you know, in your face and on video... Yes. ...is that we have the wonderful Chris Dale, the Randomizer General, oh, here with Chris. us. Would you like, Jamie, to explain a little bit, because we may have new viewers and listeners, about the Randomizer? OK, well, Chris has this fantastic device called the Randomizer... Mm. Uh, which you'll see momentarily if you're watching. Mm. Uh, and inside that are stored all the information and all the episodes of every Anderson show oh, yeah. uh, from every Anderson series. Now, Chris presses a button on it, right. and it randomly picks one of those episodes or films, yes. uh, and then Chris watches it and he says things. Oh, right. And they're often quite funny oh, or really interesting funny. or insightful or... Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, they're just filler. Yeah. But he says lots of things, and it's a really enjoyable way to get into an Anderson series or revisit one you already know. Fantastic. Well, let's join uh, let's join Chris on the on the sofa for. Uh, oh, it looks like he's got a guest to press the button as well. Here's the randomizer. <sighs> oh, that's not come out too badly, I think. Oh, uh, Ellie, hello. Could you uh, join me for a second here? Yes. Yes. This is, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's very famous. This is the Randomizer. Oh. And inside here, we have every Jerry Anderson television episode and feature film ever made. If you press this button right here, the machine will do a little bit of thinking, and it will produce an episode that I can watch and comment on this week. So, would you like to be the very first on-camera button presser of this remarkable oh, yes. machine? Very. Okay, how about it? Brilliant, well done. And we pop that down there. Anything in particular you're hoping to see come out of this today? Anything Captain Scarlet. Well, <laughs> let's find out. Are we lucky enough to get some Captain Scarlet? No. But we have got some Stingray. That's almost as good. And it's the episode... Rescue from the Skies. That's a good one. Thank you very much indeed. Actually, could you come back next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll okay, brilliant. Yeah, I'll right. see you next week yeah, then, yeah. Bye-bye. Stand by for action. Well now, uh, our first on-camera episode of The Randomizer from our new podcast studio in Slough. What better way to start things off than with our classic episode of Stingray, in my opinion. And I'm watching this on a nice big screen. And I've got to say, first off, oh, I'm so glad we got a remaster of Stingray before Network Folded. It just looks gorgeous. The colours, the detail, it's just, it wasn't there on the DVDs, but it's there now. As it always was there, it just uh, took a bit of time to, to pull it out. <laughs> yes, we open with uh, Lieutenant Fisher at the controls of Stingray. Um, Troy is in the control tower watching some kind of operation. And it's interesting to get to this point very late in the series. And Lieutenant Fisher has become quite prominent, unexpectedly prominent, I would say, in the show. When the, when the series first started, he's in the first episode, but he doesn't really have much to do. And then he kind of dips in and out for the, 
the first third of the series. And then they find more for him to do. They, they build up the character a lot, especially by the end. And this episode is kind of the culmination of that. There we go, there's a lovely old terrorfish. At the controls. Yeah, those two same aquafibians. Oh. Yes, this is... I was just going to say, this is his first taste of combat. He's seen a mechanical fish, of course he wants to blow it up. No. <laughs> Which one of us said that? Oh dear. Look out. Oh, Stingray's been hit. Marina's fallen over. This is pretty serious. Oh dear. Why do we have that? Oh, the radioactivity level is rising. Never good. Ah, so there's this... Um, uh, this whole sequence of... Um, <laughs> Fish has taken his hat off. This is that serious. Uh, to get into their radiation suits. Oh! They've hit the seabed. But this whole sequence, I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that this is about to be revealed as a, a training exercise. Um, I love how goofy these suits look. Um, but this is um, rather reminiscent of a rather better known um, sci-fi production, namely the opening scene of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. When you see a trainee at the controls of the the franchise's main vessel, um, getting into trouble with enemy craft and getting the entire crew killed in the process. Uh, in Wrath of Khan it was uh, Kirstie Alley as Lieutenant Savick. And in this one it's Lieutenant Fisher. And it's, it's not just the fact that there's the, the training sequence idea, it's just beat for beat for beat. So similar. Um, they're hit by the main baddies of the show. There's a radiation leak. Uh, fortunately, we don't see Phones or Marina, you know, faking a death. Um, there's no hope of escape. And then we get this. Reveal of it all being a, a control cabin simulation, or in uh, Wrath of Khan it was a bridge simulation. Uh, and it's, you know, this is 20 years earlier. And it's nothing more than a coincidence, but they just nail those beats. Okay, you guys, let's get this place cleared up. And I'm assuming that's uh, footage from inside AP Films from somewhere. I failed that test completely. You didn't fail, Lieutenant. You passed. Passed? But we were destroyed. Again, this moment as well goes back to the Wrath of Khan. The dialogue is so similar. Even down to the, the idea of a no-win scenario. And both trainees in, in Savick and Fisher pass with flying colours. Uh, <laughs> uh, even in the Wrath of Khan, Spock takes them to the briefing room afterwards. Uh, yeah, it's just a, an interesting, fun, um, uh, eerie parallel between the two productions. Hmm. And as well as it's nice to sort of see a, a minor, essentially a minor character get some nice screen time here, it's also um, kind of echoes the Fireball XL5 episode, one we've already covered on the randomizer, Flight to Danger, where um, Lieutenant 90 is studying for his uh, astronaut's wings. 
which also goes well at first, and then he gets into difficulties later on. And I don't know whether it's the fact that Stingray generally is a more polished production, but I do find this episode superior to that one. Not by much, but just, just enough to make this the more satisfying episode. I do love Flight to Danger quite a lot. <laughs> or maybe we should introduce security arrangements to start with and then work on tightening them up. Yes, this is uh, the, the chaps at the security checkpoint. Now waving through a, uh, a lorry, the back door isn't even closed. And some unmarked bottles and a sandbag. Okay, take it. I don't really care. I don't have to check anything. I'm just the checkpoint guard. Ah, so now, um, Marineville Control Tower has a new... Yes, one of those. A great big box taking up half the control room. Hmm. Yes, this box is uh, big enough for a man. There's all sort of uh, unrequested box deliveries. Yes, and you can see in the O, the, the, the box is marked X03. For inside is X20. I like the, uh, the slight variation of uh, X20, X03. And the zero, the wood is a slightly different color because that's what X20 is peeping out of. It does remind me a bit of that bit in The Wrong Trousers where Gromit is in a box uh, of dog food and he, he's looking out through the eye holes. You tell those jokers that Commander Shore said he wants it out of here by tonight. And that means tonight. Yes. I don't know if it's just X20 is, is that cunning. I think I've said before that it feels like he operates outside of the, the realm of the show. But Marineville security is just terrible, as witnessed by this. See, you've seen anything of Marine? I'm a Marineville security guard. I don't know that you're not an alien imposter. I presume you're not. Uh, but, you know, even if nobody's home, just go in and wait. Let yourself in. It's fine. Oh. But, of course, it's a surprise party. Aww. She thought get-together tonight would calm your nerves for tomorrow. There she is. I do miss you, Marina. I sure appreciate it. I like as well the idea Why that this was service? Marina's idea. Oh, where did you say that? Oh, dear. He's doomed himself now. Yeah, I like the idea that this would be Marina's idea to, um, to throw a nice night-before-the-big-mission-type party for him. Because without Troy Tempest at the helm, nobody on that ship can do anything. I also love how X20 was like, oh yes, my plan is was wonderful and brilliant, and doesn't reflect at all on the incompetence of the Marineville security force. It's all my genius. Ah, nice. I think this is also, unless I'm mistaken, this is a Titan-free appearance by X20, which is quite rare in this show. Anywho, Stingray is off. Yes, there's those drum beats. Under the control of Lieutenant Fisher. And it feels like not too long ago we had the episode An Echo of Danger, which is 
or was, uh, Fisher's first trip out to sea in Stingray, according to him. And there he was allowed to basically just touch nothing. And now he's, you know, there's been some development off screen. You will destroy the three targets and return to base. And I also like with this episode, unlike Lieutenant 90 in uh, Flight to Danger, you never get the sense that Lieutenant Fisher is in quite over his head. Because, you know, obviously nobody could have prepared for this uh, fact that X20 is going to mine the dummy targets on the missile range. Uh, and it's a credit to Ray Barrett, I think, that he doesn't lean into sort of panic mode with the character. Uh, he, he just maintains that same you know, calm, steady demeanour, no matter what's going on around him. It's also nice to see a bit more of the, uh, the WASP setup. We have this uh, installation here, the WASP missile range, uh, with a little, you know, it's just a, a rail with some dummy mechanical fish on it. I like as well that since discovering the mechanical fish and, you know, the whole Titan thing, they have decided to set up dummy targets shaped like mechanical fish. It's just, you know, this is our dedicated enemy now, so let's, uh, let's mobilize all our forces to dealing with it. When Lieutenant Fisher destroys this target, he'll destroy Steam Rays. Oh. These explosives will see again. <laughs> oh dear. And again, it's nice to see X20 sort of thinking about ways to deal with, with Stingray. We've seen him before discrediting phones, and now we're going to see him take advantage of uh, the fact that Troy isn't around and Fisher is at the controls for once. We're approaching the missile range, Lieutenant. But something I, I do find interesting about Fisher's increasing prominence towards the end of the series is that it seems to come at the cost of screen time for Marina. And I don't know if that's connected, but it just feels like after the episode, The Master Plan, it's almost like they've, they're kind of done with Marina. They've told all the stories they can for her. And I don't know if that was intentional or just the way things went, but she's a, a very infrequent figure in, in this latter part of the, the series. This may actually be one of her most prominent uh, appearances in the last dozen episodes or so. Hmm. So Commander Shaw is, is staring at the controls for the fish on the rail at the missile site, but he also had a telephone next to him. I'm wondering if that's the telephone from Venus's beach house. The two look very similar. <clears throat> But this is a fun way to, to set up Stingray getting into trouble, this uh, missile range. And I'm pretty sure I didn't see this episode until it was released on DVD. Oh, I love how supportive they are of him. But I have a feeling there was a, a children's picture storybook released by, uh, I think it was Box Tree back in the early 90s. So I'm almost certain I had that book and that would have been my first exposure to this episode. So it was kind of nice occasionally when I was familiar with one of those books to see the episode it was based on, uh, having no idea that it was, was an actual episode because the BBC uh, finished their first run of Stingray with about a dozen episodes left unshown. 
Anywho, Fisher has successfully destroyed the first dummy. He's now destroyed the second dummy. He's having to be very careful here because uh, if his aim is just off, he's going to hit the, the rail that all these uh, target fish are running across. And that would never do. I suspect he'd have to replace that out of his own money. Um, because number three is the one that's been mined. It rolls out slightly more slowly, and we get a big close-up of the, the dynamite stuck on the side of it. Captain Tempest here, Lieutenant. Go ahead, sir. Number three is usually the fastest of the lot. You stand a better chance if you go in close. Thanks for the tip, Troy. I'll go as near as I can. Hmm. It's helpful advice from Troy there. Does that count as cheating for his, uh, you know, considering this is his uh, Aquanaut training exam stuff? Hmm. Shaw's ready at the controls for fish number three. Just a few seconds more, <laughs> will be gone X20 is checking his watch. Did he always wear a watch? I've never noticed that. Again, I suppose it makes sense. I would assume that's a, a Terranian watch uh, to help him keep track of time, but it's a fun addition to the character. Oh, sure has increased the speed almost to maximum. And any moment now... That's it. Off it goes. And Stingray is instantly on its tail. And X20 hasn't really done much to conceal the dynamite, but you know, I'm not going to knock that part of the, the story too much. It is just stuck on the side of the fish, but I don't think Fisher can really see that he's approaching from behind. Oh! Uh, so he gave the order to fire. You heard the, the sound effect of a missile firing. You didn't actually see it. Uh, that was odd. But yes, Stingray has, has been caught in the, the explosion and has now crashed onto the ocean floor. Something's gone wrong. I can't reach them. Oh, no. The explosion was out of all proportion to a Sting missile charge. Hmm. Keep flying, Atlanta. It's nice as well that there's no uh, question of incompetence on Fisher's part. Which there so easily could be. Must mean you're in an emergency. I also get the feeling at times, certain times in this yeah, series, um, set way, sail for adventure is one that also this is relevant to. Okay. I kind of get the feeling that phones sort of defers to Fisher in, in situations like this. Um, it's not all about, oh, phones, do help me, I'm unfamiliar with this. It's clear that he's been trained um, before this, and phones very much takes his orders, because no matter his rank, he is the captain of the ship. Hey, listen. Uh, somebody out there. Yeah, it's X20 planting a sticker bomb. It's a nice pairing as well, actually, Phones and Fisher. It reminds me there is a, uh, a TV21 Stingray story. I think it might be the uranium plant invasion, um, where they team up again after um, Troy has been discredited for... What was it? Marshall Ketoff, he'd annoyed, um, failing to save him. Yes. Tick, 
tail-off mechanism operating against the hoe. Mm. From the sound of it, somebody's just giving us a present. A sticker bomb. Oh, a dear. sticker bomb on the hoe. Yeah. It could be blown sky high anytime. It all depends what delay's been put on the mechanism. Yeah, we know. The whole thing's been rigged. Yes, our security wasn't as tight as it should have been. <laughs> oh, that line could apply to any episode of this show. You mean rescue from the sky, sir? You said it yourself, Troy. Well, that's the title of the episode, Troy. We haven't got a craft that can make the sort of speed that would even give them a fighting chance. In fact, we don't have any craft at all. First-class swimmers are only hope. Last thinking, Commander. Air sea rescue on the line for you now, sir. Wow. It's not looking good. But I do like the speed with which the control tower staff have sprung into action on this problem. If we got to the surface, we could maybe break open a hatch or something. With this power failure, the only way to empty the ballast tanks is by hand pump. That'd take forever. Damn. see him getting help to us now. Roll your sleeves up. God, we're fast. Oh, you heard what they said. I love it. Yes, Ray Barrett in desperate mode, which is nice. Built for speed. Yes, but I feel the same way, Troy, but we can't do a thing. They haven't got a pilot who's an expert swimmer as well. <laughs> no other plane can get there in time. If you just let me say something, Commander, don't forget, I am an expert swimmer. And I am just all-round perfect, you Commander. Fly that. Look, I did fly into my training program. I may not be an expert, but give me a chance. And those in Stingray. Mm, it's a tall order, but... Prepare for immediate takeoff. Yep, he's the man for the job. And this model... Uh, wasn't used in the series all that often. I have a feeling it was flying escort to um, a plane that Commander Shaw was on in one episode, possibly Pink Ice. Uh, but I actually, I can't remember what the name of the kit is, but I did buy one and tried to build it once. It didn't come out looking too bad for one of my model kits. Um, I love the wobbliness of the takeoff here. And the fact that he nearly collides with the control tower as he leaves. Uh, yes, he's not a great pilot, but he's going to get the job done if in a very wobbly way. the worst takeoff I've ever seen. <laughs> but he made it. Oh, is that grudging admiration? This is ridiculous. Let's say that again. <laughs> oh. I seem to recall, was it standby for action? They, they say that Marina is operating the pumps alone. Uh, yeah, but it's nice to get an idea of what that actually involves for a change. Because it is nice to see, you know, Stingray is obviously a fantastic machine, but it is nice to occasionally get those moments where it's broken or shot down or stuck on the seabed and they have to improvise. What a lovely explosion. Oh. Short and fiery and a bit of debris, but unfortunately the plane model just kind of bobs back to the surface. Um, yes. Never mind. Because Troy is now on the scene, dropping into the water. And this is one of several Stingray episodes, actually. Where it all depends on Troy, on his own, swimming. Yeah, but he went willingly. Yeah, there's this, and um, standby for action, and... The Golden Sea, where there are people trapped underwater, and it all depends on Troy uh, swimming there in time. Ah, they've managed to get Stingray uh, a couple of feet off the seabed. It's quite an achievement. Do, 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 
<laughs> oh dear, these poor guys. I've always wondered if that thing behind her on, on the console, is that like part of a car radio? I don't know. Anyway, he's managed to get the sticker bomb off. X20 seems to have given up and, uh, and gone home by this point. Uh, it's a shame. He was so confident that his plan was, was a winner for once. And it would have been, but again, didn't reckon on Troy Tempest. Oh. Did he make it? What do you think? <laughs> Yay! Try! He did it! Marineville, here we come! Hooray! Oh, yes, another party, why not? We've still got some of that lovely Barry Gray lounge jazz to enjoy. The marina's hosting another party. If she can't get enough of parties at Marina's place. Mm. Lieutenant Fisher, the World Aquanaut Security Patrol's newest Aquanaut. Hurrah! He did it somehow. Aww. It's nice to see him get a bit of development for once. We're coming up on one of my favourite shots of the series. Good old Troy. <laughs> now, I know it's the way he's holding his cigar, but because he's got the other glass behind it, it kind of looks like he's got two glasses on the go, and he just looks totally sloshed. Anywho, that was Stingray, Rescue from the Skies. Uh, and that's always been, I think, one of my favorites. It's not absolute you know, god-tier Stingray for me, but it's, it's up there. And I think it's, it's because you know they do some lovely character work with Lieutenant Fisher in this, who is generally been a fairly static character throughout the run of the show and suddenly it's like oh yeah this guy's a trainee maybe we should develop him just a bit so he's no longer a trainee he's, he's fully qualified now um presumably he took the rest of his tests off screen after this episode finished or after that little incident finished i should say dennis spooner well done sir that's another nice one but yeah all round it, it's a very strong character episode this one as much as it is a a, a a nice idea for a stingray story both to be you know to have the ship trapped this way and needing help from outside but also just there's a little bit of action there's a little bit of character stuff there's a little bit of humor uh and another you know proof if proof were ever needed that the marineville security force are absolutely incompetent and should be laid off immediately but aside from that uh yeah an all-round good episode of Stingray, one of my uh, favourites. I'd be interested to know if anybody else enjoys this one as much as I do, because I think it's rather wonderful. Stingray. Oh, thanks, Chris. Rescue from the Skies. Yeah, one of your favourite episodes. Mm. Well, well what, what don't you like it's about no it? pink ice, is it? It's what? It's no pink ice, oh, is I it? I see. You know exactly <laughs> what I mean by I that. Do, I do. No, but Stingray, I mean, it's... It, a lot of people enjoy the humour 
mm. that comes with Stingray and the slight, mm. the slight campness. It's only very slight in Stingray, mm -hmm. I would say. But compared to Thunderbirds, which is a lot more straight-laced, yes, it's got Park and Penelope, but... Yeah. Yeah. Great. Always nice. a good one. Yeah. And how nice to see Chris on the randomizer sofa. I know. And yeah. with the actual randomizer as well. Who thought we'd ever see that? Yeah. That's an impressive bit of kit, isn't it? It is, I think, probably no expense, some expense spared in, in constructing that device, I suspect. <laughs> I suspect so. Yeah. Uh, so Chris will be along next week with the uh, randomizer, of course. Uh, we'll also have uh, the second part of our interview with the wonderful Ellie Collins on Jeff Tracy's sofa. Yes. I said it again, so it's sticking. It's now a thing. It's, it, okay? it's becoming a thing. Yeah. Very, very slowly. Uh, but in the meantime, do get in touch. Podcast at jerryanderson.com. Join the Facebook group. You can even tweet us and hashtag us jerryandersonpodcast. I mean, there are myriad ways to get in touch with us. Yeah, there. smoke signals, carrier pigeons, <laughs> uh, all accepted. You uh, can try that. Messages to Thunderbird 5 yeah. uh, via reel to reel. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll accept them all. Great, excellent. Uh, well, that's all for now. Thanks for joining us in our secret lair, and uh, we'll see you for pod 265. Okay, I've got a bone to pick with you about the secret thing, but yes, right. see you all in pod 265. Uh oh. Bye. Bye. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. Well, I think that went rather well, my, didn't it? No, 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 what? because my bone to pick with you is oh. you banged on about this being in Slough at the Moxie Hotel, <laughs> yeah. and then you referred to it as a secret lair. Yes, well, I'm just trying to, you know... It's I'm not to... secret in the slightest. We've blown well, it already. Uh, now, no one knows what floor we're on. <laughs> so there is that. No one knows what room we're in. Okay. Yeah, so there's that. So within the apparent... Mm. Well, we're hiding in plain sight, aren't we? It's rather like, like the Harlington Straker Studios, isn't it? We're using the Moxie Hotel as a cover for our nefarious deeds. Right, okay. That's what I like to think. So you're, you're Ed Straker and I'm... Yeah, Gay Ellis, probably. Oh, fair enough. I'll take that. <laughs> that works, doesn't it? Yeah, great. All right, I'll go and get my wig. Oh, look forward to it. See All you next right. week, then. Bye. Bye. Dorks. That was an Anderson Entertainment production. <laughs>